What kind of things do you like to read? Mostly Teen Vogue. Hello and welcome to WNC Original Music, episode 151, the Iron Duke episode. This week we are joined by the very talented Billy Litz from the Asheville band Hustle Souls. Hustle Souls have been named one of the top 100 unsigned artists of 2020, and they have a new EP out right now called Walking Off the Plank, available at all the streaming services and bandcamp.com. Check the links in the bio. Also visit them at hustlesouls.com. Uh, Billy was kind enough to share the songs from the EP on this week's episode, and we're also going to talk about those and a lot of other cool stuff too. Here is Hustle Souls. Well, I can play chess with the generals and I lose a pawn. Make love to Aphrodite. All night long, I can sing like Sinatra, and I look like him too, it's true. Well, I can clean all the teeth on a crocodile smile, walk the Sahara and swim across the Nile. I can speak in every language that you've ever heard, say Oh, but honey.
Don't Make Me Ask Again is kind of like a piano lounge song. Uh, it starts off with the acoustic piano and then it, it ends up with like a full on marching band in there. Um, but it's one that I just, I was having a lot of fun with like the word play on everything. Um, and you know, the, the point of view of the, the singer is like, is like really cocky and arrogant and narcissistic. Um, but in the end, it's, it's like all a front to, to cover up the loneliness that is, that is actually, you know, overwhelming, overwhelming them. So it, there's a, there's some funny lines and stuff about how cool and great the, the guy is, but in the end, there's like a confession that it's all, it's all just a front. Did you write this or the band writes it or? What usually happens? Yeah, this 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 one I I wrote on the piano, messing around. Uh, I just came up with a little riff and just started started saying stuff. And uh, I I really liked it. It's it's very different from Hustle Souls. And like this whole EP is very different from our like traditional yeah. expected sound. Um, but we we started doing a couple songs that were breaking that mold anyway. And I was like, you know, I really like this one. I don't think it really fits for the band, but so it's normally one I would push to the solo project or just never do anything with. Um, but it, I got the courage to bring a couple of those songs out and really put the Hustle Souls name on them and get the band behind them to really bring them to life. Um, and so I, I, I presented it in a way that was like, you guys are probably going to hate this. It's probably not going to work. You probably won't like it. Let's just try it for five minutes. Mm. And I was ready to, you know. They were all rolling just, their eyes like, oh, here we go. Yeah, like, here we go again. Uh, but then, it, you know, it ended up clicking. And it. we all ended up having a really fun time doing it. And we, we just dug into just letting the songs live on their own and not forcing them into this big party band thing that we that we often try to do mm -hmm. and uh, they ended up liking it. So I was, I was like, all right, if, if you guys are down for it, let's, let's see what we can do with it. And uh, I think we're all happy with it. Yeah. The whole, like you kind of alluded to the whole album is, is very different, very uh, more folky um, Americana for you guys. And I know you, you know, you have the kid Billy project that is kind of like that, but um, do you think, uh, was it, was it a conscious effort? to kind of bring the band in that direction or just happen with these songs? It was a pretty conscious choice. So we ended up, we played a, a, in the middle of COVID when everything was still pretty, pretty uh, treacherous or scary and unknown. We, we played a big outdoor party uh, at a festival property up in green mountain and nobody had heard music live in months. And, they ended up just screaming for encore after encore. We ended up playing for like two hours, turned into three hours, turned into four hours. Oh, and by the end of it, we, we were just like totally out of songs. And we, we know a lot of music, but we had just like exhausted the whole list, but nobody was ready to stop. And so I was like, I, I've got this song. That's also the, the title track walking off the plank. And I had just played it at like a songwriter round that was live streamed at the great Eagle and I was just learning the song, but I was like, I got this song that I that I think I really like. And the band just like walked off the stage and I played it up there by myself. And it really 
that like ended the night on with me just on acoustic guitar and the impact of that song i think it really hit people in the right way and we also liked adding that heavier deeper element to the end of a big wild party set um i think we felt like it added some depth to what we were doing um and so that song kind of opened up the gates i was like well if we're gonna do this song with the band then maybe this other folk song that i wrote could also work in the set and um i think it really clicked i mean it's still hard to get these songs into the set we have to play some in specific spots to for the roller coaster going up and down to work but nobody seemed shocked and we're like what what the heck is this this isn't hustle souls i think it it made it makes sense and it just you know it's a big part of my my songwriting style is this like a little bit more serious heavier slower side and I think I was always afraid of bringing it to the bringing it into what the band was doing. But then I think people responded in a way, and at least we responded in a way where we thought it added a little, a little bit of depth to what we were doing. And it actually kind of rounded out the picture. It was like, almost like it was missing before. So we decided to lean into it and, and embrace, embrace that sound for a little while. Have you guys ever thought about taking these songs uh, get some disguises and be like your own opening act and just make up a fake name, you know, um, like, uh, uh, well, I don't want to say a fake name and offend you about the song. So, but anyway, I didn't name. really have one. I was going to say like Cletus and the leg bones or something. Uh, just it, something. It all, it all rides on the name. We'd have to get the right name, but right, yeah. Uh, and then you just no, open, no. open, but get some real disguises where like casual observers really don't know that's you. And uh, I'm, uh, Six foot four. Yeah. And I got a big long hair and beard and I'm like 235 pounds. So that would take some doing. You'd probably, I mean, you'd probably have to go female for that. You know, you had to. Yeah. yeah, I'd I'd make a real ugly girl. Oh, you could, um, you could, if you ever thought about shaving your beard, you could shave after the opening act. And that would, I mean, nobody would put that together. Or I could shave before the show and put a fake beard on for the Hustle Soul. That's show. true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, this is, sounds like this is actually happening. I, let me know the date. If you ever see, what did you say, Cletus and the Leg Bones on the Yeah, I mean, somewhere. that's just off the top of me. I'll think of a better one. I want one that kind of alludes to, I said alludes twice in the same interview, but I want one that refers to Hustle Souls. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Hustle Souls is already a take on Muscle Shoals, yeah, it's right? A, yeah. Yes, it is. So yeah. with that, that would be a lot of layers of of referencing. Yeah, hmm. we go to another one. Yeah, I'll think of one like uh, something that. What's a what's a famous Nashville recording studio? Oh God, uh, yeah. I mean, Music oh. Row is what. Yeah, uh, it's not Nat. Is Sun Studio? Sun Studios is not Nashville, right? That, That's Memphis, Memphis yeah. I believe. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll think of something that plays off of Sun Studios. Then all right. But I could be wrong. I don't. I don't know my music history as well as Cletus and the Sun Studios is probably that's the lazy way to do it. We got to workshop some stuff. Well, yeah, we're we'll working. Oh, honey, let the roses wither away. Let all the smiles fade from their face. Let all the bars. Turn out their lights 
we'll still sing la de da da through the night. Tell me you love me when everything's wrong. I will keep singing these god awful songs. Someday this train might pull off the train. Everything lost might find its way back. Sing la did that die. Make a toast to your friends. Spill all your whiskey. Feel it again. Sing la did that die. Smash your glass up to heaven. Love all your friends. Sing la di da 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 la di da. Oh, honey, let the roses wither away. Let all the children grow old and gray. Let all the boys put boards up on the door. I got a flask in my pocket. I've been saving it for. Oh, tell me you love me when everything's right. Push comes to shove, it turns to fights. Well, someday this train might make a wrong turn. If it all goes to hell, let it. Let it burn. Sing la di da da. Make a toast to your friends. Spill all your whiskey. Feel it again. Sing la di da da. Smash your glass up to heaven. Remember this feeling. Might be the last time that you feel it. Sing la. Your friends tell them you love them. Might be the last time that you see them. Sing la di da da, da di da 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 da, la di da. Oh, honey, let the roses wither Let all the smiles fade. From their faces, and let all the bars turn out their lights. We'll still sing la di da da through the night. Was the second song? I am pronouncing that right, then. La-dee-da. La-dee-da. Yeah, well, I didn't know how to spell it. Uh, 
That's the way I would spell it if it was if it was my language. But uh, yeah, La Vida Da was the second more folk style, more acoustic song that I brought after the the gate was opened, um, and it's one that again, like I, I I write songs like this a lot, but I never would have brought it to the band. But this one, I feel like I I was really confident in this one of just like I know. If we can pull off these acoustic songs that this one will will pack a punch and will mean something to people. And it turns out that it, that it definitely has probably connected. I've gotten more feedback from people who have heard it because we've been playing these songs live for a while now. Um, I've gotten a lot more feedback on it than basically anything we've ever done, um, which was, was definitely... Uh, grat- I don't know what the word is gratifying, justifying to us. I think it gave us that confidence that that it's gonna this style is gonna work. And uh, the song, the song's about loss in a lot of ways, but it's also about like resiliency. And I've been thinking a lot about you know the past couple of years as things get. I'm not gonna say get worse in the world, but we're going through some stuff, I would say, and we, the world's always been going through some stuff, but it, it feels that way. And I know a lot of people are going through stuff and it, some of it is, you know, the song refers to loss and death and, um, but it, it's not just that, you know, there, there's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff. And I think that resiliency is really important and, uh, not letting the, the brokenness of the world break you. And, you know, we just, we need a couple people to hold on, to hold on to some sort of optimism or happiness, even in the, in the face of, of some, some tough, tough times. And that's hopefully, you know, what the song is, is about is like, you know, I saw like my music career that I've worked, you know, I can put a career in quotes, but like, the I've worked very hard at it, whether or not it's a career or not. I work really hard at it. I've worked really hard. You're a full time professional musician. I think I don't yeah, think you have to be self conscious. It still feels not quite there, but yeah. you know, I've worked at it really for a really long time, and I always, you know, I always felt like I was valuing the right things because I was putting my time and energy into music, and that's a real thing. I wasn't chasing possessions and all this stuff, um, and but. Then that got stripped away from me when COVID happened. And I was faced with this, like, you know, the same thing where if you're, if the stock market crashes and you lose all your, your wealth, you know, I was dealing with that loss and I realized that, and it did get me down. It got me angry and bitter and, and scared and sad. But then I realized that, you know, even that thing that I felt was so pure, which was like, trying to make music as much as I could for and present it to people, even that is in, in a lot of ways, a superficial thing that can be, that can be taken away from you from external powers. And so if I want to be happy and if I want to be successful with my life, I need to hold on to those, you know, the, there's only a couple things that people can't take away from you. And that's your love your love, your loved ones can be taken away. And that's in the song, but it's like your love for people, those moments and those times and that present moment where you, where you really feel something. And so it was 
kind of a call to pay attention to what you what you really value, hold on to those things that can't be taken away. And if you've got something that you like that can be taken away, which is a loved one or a music career or a good job or, you know, any of those things that can be taken away, they could be. So I'm not saying don't value those things. You should value your loved ones and your music career, but make sure you appreciate every moment with it. Cause it, it, it could be, could be the last one. And that, that's what I'm trying to get across in, in the song. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it worked. I mean, I think, I think that really comes out quite a bit. That's what I think. anyway. I, I hope, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We'll do a poll. Yeah, I'll be. I'll type out everything you just said out. Make sure you get my rules in there. So, uh, so that that just made me think of something. Um, you know, obviously, music is your career, and it's also a creative outlet. And so, in a lot of the ways you just talked about, it helps. You know, you're you're wanting it to do certain things. Since it's your career and creative outlet, do you feel like you need another creative outlet, or do you have another creative outlet that? when you know those times when like music is your job and you're you might not be feeling that it's that you need an outlet from your job which is a creative outlet do you have some other uh something else that you turn to um i mean i have other you know i like i like being outside i like sitting by the river i like drinking beer around Asheville and eating good food and i like I love reading and words, but you know, that's all tied into tied into the music thing. But I guess like, I don't, I don't get burnt out on playing music. Cause as much as music is my career, it's like we drive seven hours set up for a show for three hours and we play an hour of music. So it's like mm. at the end of the day, even if my whole work day is, is spent on music, a good chunk of it's sending emails, making stupid posters online begging people to come to shows, driving, setting up. And so when I finally do get to play music, it's, I'm not actually playing for 40 hours a week. I'm getting exhausted right. from it. It's still, it's still a, um, yeah, it's still, it still feels, feels like a special occasion when I get to sit down and play music. And also there's a difference. Like I, I almost segregate in my mind and maybe, I don't know if that's, it's, it's fully separate, but, when we go and play a Hustle Soul show or I do a Kid Billy show, we know what we're doing and we've worked on it and we're presenting this like this creative project that we've built. Um, and it's it's a performance of that creation. But then when I'm going to practice or write or record, those are the new things. And it's almost like a whole nother experience. So playing shows is a lot of fun. But that's because of the adrenaline and the feedback mm -hmm. and just playing music is fun. But it doesn't tap into the same part of me that sitting down alone writing with an acoustic guitar does. Oh, yeah. So even in, even within music, I feel like there's so many different ways to approach it that it doesn't get uh, I don't get too burnt out on it. Uh, you mentioned reading when you do read. What, uh, what kind of things do you like to read? Uh, mostly Teen Vogue and, uh, no, uh, Harry you know, Potter. I, I yeah, yeah. I, I fell in love with reading through the beatniks and, you know, Jack Kerouac and, um, but it's, it's branched off. I, you know, I like, I like fiction. I like literature. I like, um, 
whatever I can get my hands on that's in that vein. I don't read nonfiction very often. Um, yeah, I, I, I like a lar- a pretty large, large array of, of, of books. I can, I can list all some authors if, if, if you sure. want me to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me think. This is always puts me on the spot and I've got a, um, there's some of my favorite books I've read recently. Uh, Simone de Bouvier. I don't know how to say her name. She's a French author, uh, that, uh, has a book called the Mandarins. That was one of my favorite books of the, of the year. Um, yeah, you're gonna have to cut out these, these things while I think I'm kind of tired. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, um, man, what did I just, I mean, finish? you can Google, uh, you can Google them if you want to. Just. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm terrible at names. I just read a book. Uh, I think his name's Paul Astaire. The New York trilogy was was really cool. Um, I'm a big Charles Bukowski fan. Um, I just read uh, what's it called? Um, this is terrible. It's the last book I just read was was really powerful. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to, yeah, um, I'm not making this stuff up. I actually have read some books. Um, I mean, you've already said like 10 authors, so you don't. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember the name of the book. I just, I was the last book I read a Toni Morrison book. Um, the bluest eye. It was not the bluest eye. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. That's it. Um, oh, I didn't get to name all the Toni Morrison books. I know. Shoot. Those are the, yeah, only, we're, those are the only two. We can't, we can't show off here. Well, yeah, that's, you know, reading is if, if I could have chosen what I would do and I, I'm a terror, I'm not a, a good writer. I've tried to write a couple short stories and they're just all, oh, it's yeah? really difficult. Um, I want to read them. Yeah. God. I, yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> okay. someday. I'll yeah. 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 But I, I I love to read and but it you know reading is kind of I I think it's good to have a a a hot like you asked about like other creative outlets is like I write with songs but that's a whole nother thing but sitting down and writing a bad story or a bad essay that I don't show anybody is is pretty rewarding to me I kind of you know there is like a nostalgic. Uh, romanticism to it sitting in front of a typewriter typing something out you feel like you're uh someone more important than you are but it's a lot of fun and i think it's okay to to be bad at your creative pursuit oh yeah i think yeah yeah, i think it's totally noble thing to do so uh i'm a i'm a very bad hobbyist writer and uh (laughs) bad hobbyist reader who gets through i get through like one book every two months because it takes time. I'm a slow yeah, reader. That's that's the speed I read. Maybe a little slower. Yeah, but I only read. I only read right before bed, and and you know, just like ten minutes at a time. It'll knock you out too. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. That, yeah, it's different from Netflix, which keeps you up. Yeah. And I only read lullaby. So lullaby. Well, yeah, that that uh, that'll put you to sleep. Yeah. All right, more from Billy Litz from Hustle Souls in just a few moments. want to remind you to visit their website, hustlesouls.com, and look for their new EP, Walking Off the Plank, either at their website or at all the streaming services and download places such as bandcamp.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. 
WNC Original Music, which can be found at all the podcast places, including uh, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, wherever you're listening to it right now is a good place to start. Also, you can ask your smart speaker to play WNC Original Music, and you can find it at places such as Audible and at WNCOriginalMusic.com. Make sure to go back and listen to the past episodes with all the wonderful guests that have been on the podcast. Everyone is great. All the music is perfect. Uh, You can't go wrong. A lot of free music up there. Corrections and clarifications from last week's episode with the Ghosts of Liberty. Uh, Shimmer is a floor wax and a dessert topping, so we were both right. I'm going to start giving a piece of advice every week uh, to someone who asked for it on Instagram, on the Instagram stories. This week's piece of advice is for Farah who ask uh, jokes, just wants advice on jokes. And my advice is uh, stay away from them. They're bad news. This is Emma Millard. And this is Tyler Millard. And we are the, the Ghosts, Ghosts of Liberty. Liberty. And, and you are listening, listening to WNC, WNC Original, Original Music. Music. And that's Clara. And that's Clara.
he's gone Well you can point your gun Sing the same old Plank was the song I talked about earlier that I played for the first time at this this outdoor festival party um, at the end of like a four hour set. Um, this is one that I I wrote out of a lot of bitterness. You know, I, I alluded. I'll use your word alluded. <laughs> I, I I alluded to it earlier. The frustration of. And, you know, I, I hate complaining about my life because I have a great life and I, I know that a lot of people, like, are hurting more and went through a lot more than I did during COVID. But I worked really, really hard to build a sustainable life of, you know, a, a career where I could sustain myself. It took a lot of sacrifice and a lot of hard work. And then, you know, it was it was stripped away by outside forces mm. which is the which is the virus and it is the and it's just like you know it's it it just you you work really hard at something and then somebody's like yeah that's not going to work out you you probably should should stop that it's like well, what the hell did i put all that energy into this for if it can be if it can be taken away and i think i talked about it before that i think that the I always felt like my pursuit of a music career was was very pure and and not materialistic in the way that somebody chasing a finance career is. 
And I think I saw when it got taken away that I fell into that same trap. Somebody dangled a carrot in front of me of like, hey, you could live really comfortably. You know, people could like you. You could. And and I fell into that same trap and didn't realize how hard I was chasing it and how much value I put in that chase. And when it got taken away and I felt like all that work was for nothing on the career side, I was like, screw this. I'm done with, with this, which I always knew the system was, was broken and was a carrot dangling in front of you the whole time from a, from an early age. But I convinced myself that I was beyond that and I wasn't playing the game. And I realized that they just tricked me in another way. And Mm -hmm. I, and I was playing the game and I was putting too much value in it. Um, And so I, and I, I felt a lot of anger and I don't usually feel anger. It's not an emotion I feel very often. And I was just really frustrated. And then while I'm playing guitar, I, I, I clicked on Facebook or whatever. And I watched this video of a, a black man getting murdered by the police. Like, and it, and it like shook me so, so deeply. I mean, just like anybody watching that, watching that video, you're watching a human being slowly be murdered. And, yeah. and then the, uh, the, the, the power structure doing that murder, it, it, it really, really shook me. And I, I, I don't write political songs because I don't usually feel that much emotion about political topics. And I feel like my songs are supposed to be emotional. And so I feel emotions about loved ones and loss. And I feel about, you know, I feel emotions about other things. But if you talk to me about inner geopolitical, you know, I care about those things, but I, I, they don't hit me emotionally. And I think part of that's because of my position in the world and my privilege of like, I'm not directly affected by a lot of political things, but this one really hit me emotionally really hard. And I had a lot of emotions to get out in a song. And so I was just feeling really pissed off and frustrated at the whole system. And it was like, everything that they say is supposed to be doing and working for you know it's it's not it's not working out and i'm just tired of participating and and playing the game um and so it it was like a call to action to myself to like to to stop believing in in the veil and the promises Mm -hmm. and you know i i was i just wrote it out of a lot of anger i think yeah yeah yeah, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like the kind of thing that that is, you know, cathartic, and then um, maybe like uh, when you feel that again, you can kind of revisit it, and it's a good way. Like you know, if you're performing it a lot, to kind of um, uh, maybe act as a release valve for that kind of thing afterward. And I, I think it. I think it does. And I at least you know, and in it, I think that the there's a. You know, it, it's speaking to myself is like you have control over your part of this, and it's a it's a reminder. And yeah, I get to, I get to release that energy. That yeah, I get to release that energy, and I get to remind myself that hey, even though the world's back opened up and people aren't protesting uh, about 
police violence today that it's still, you know, to, to, to fight the complacency of falling back into old patterns, yeah. you know, to have, to have an anthem. And I do think it's like an anthem, anthemic song musically. It's an anthem to remind me to stay vigilant and not complacent. You got a bunch of albums in the background behind you there. You want to just run through what those albums are? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we got Miles Davis. All right. Probably, probably, at least in part of my music, one of the most influential. I think he's genius. Uh, then we got Roberta Flack, repping Black Mountain, North Carolina. Uh, this is Art Farmer, another, and Benny Golson, but Art Farmer is another one of my favorite trumpet players. We got Joni Mitchell, uh, who definitely knows how to write a song. Uh, Dr. John, I love New Orleans. And I got uh, Louis Armstrong, the greatest musician uh, since 1900, for sure, uh, right there. And uh, I've been kind of obsessed with New Orleans and New Orleans music lately. And then at the end is like the only modern album I've got is uh, this Big Thief masterpiece, which they're probably my favorite favorite band of the modern day. Who was that? Who did you say? Big Thief. Oh, Big Thief. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Let's say somebody came to you and said, hey, uh, you know, Hustle Souls is getting pretty big. You're getting pretty famous. We want you, uh, kind of like Paul Newman, to uh, start your own food, your own signature food. What, what would that be? This, oh, this is man. a personality test. It's exactly as accurate as a Zodiac. All right. This is uh, one time somebody asked... Uh, Asked me my favorite food, and this is what I said, not realizing how bizarre of an answer it was. But right. I'd have Hustle Souls pickled onions in oh. a jar. Okay. And uh, you could always have them at home, throw on your salad, throw on your sandwich. I think that they add a lot of zest. And uh, I also think it, yeah, I just love a, I love a pickled onion. Yeah, they it, are uh, good. Yeah, they're great on a sandwich. Underrated. They bring a sandwich to life, I believe. Yes, they have a lot of a lot of light.
just me a resonator guitar and i'm i'm singing um which we've definitely never done before this one i don't play in my solo set or with hustle souls really ever um just i would in the right situation but it's it's a pretty depressing song um and even even as serious as the rest of this album is I think that there's an optimism to it all mm. and a call to action or a rebellious spirit or something hopeful. If not hopeful, at least res yeah, resilient. Yeah. Um, and this, this song is about a brokenness and th there's not a lot of hope in it. I wrote this one after driving uh, deep into like, the Georgia mountains and we were in really small, small, small towns and just super rural. And I just saw a lot of abandoned factories and like just boarded up houses and, and this billboard that really with like a, a pharmacy that sold guns. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that business plan, but I just like, you know, all that's out here is just, you know, prescription drugs and, and guns. And I, it's not a life that I, I live, but I definitely, I, I just know that there's the songs about somebody who gets laid off from a factory job. And I've been laid off, you know, from my, from my job with, with COVID and dealing, dealing with that, you know, I think Americans get a lot of purpose from our, occupation or profession and having something to fill up eight to 10 hours out of the day. And as grueling as that is, I think it keeps a lot of people from confronting their demons. And I know that I know, I know a number of people who, you know, overdosed and, and I know people who know people who committed suicide during the COVID lockdowns. We lost some great musicians to overdose and, I, I just know that when when the inertia of life just stops, you have to confront your demons head on and there's nothing to fill up the day. Um, this song's about, yeah, someone who who let the that idle time take them take them down. Um, yeah. And I guess we ended the album on that note, which, you know, these are these are scary times, but you know, I hate, 
I hate even ending a sentence with with that because I don't see the world that way. I think you, mm-hmm. I, I do. I am a hopeful person. And I do believe in like you know personal action and personal responsibility, and I think I think anybody can come out the other side in the right way. But this song is, you know, I not at all comparing myself to to John Steinbeck because I'm obviously I'm just writing my little two and a half minute song. But mm. when I read the grapes of wrath at the end of it, I was like, you know, thank God that he like, he wrote this down because the stories of those people, I would have, I would never know, you know, I heard about poverty and the dust bowl and uh, I, I heard about these things. What, what did they call the towns that they lived in? The, uh, well, Today they're they're called like uh, yeah tent you know tent, tent camp yeah um, tent. today we call them tent cities they had a name for them back back then um, but I was like yeah thank thank God John Steinbeck wrote this down so that that little piece of history that moment in time that experience it, it's captured in a picture and I can I can experience it and know that that happened to people in the world and. Partially, I'm just I was just trying to to paint the picture of, of what I imagine like a lot of people went through when their factory got closed down and they lost their job and they didn't have any other job skills to, to go to. Or when COVID told you you couldn't go to, into work anymore and you had to live at home alone for a year and a half. And I was just trying to just uh, just grab a little piece of that yeah. and, and write it down. Was it Hoovervilles? Is that what you're talking Hoover about? Hoovervilles, yeah. Yeah. Who's your favorite uh, comedian? I do love stand-up comedy, and I did uh, – I, I went and supported some local stand-up comedy at the, the getaway and because uh, they're – I used to go on Monday nights to, I think, the Asheville – It's it used to be a wig store downtown. It's a beer – it's like a beer – well, anyway, that's my my wife doesn't love music uh, as much as I do. I oh, I, I thought you were going to say at all. Lives, yeah, I consume our lives with it, but we both love going out in live entertainment, and the comedy is the thing that we share because I can't get her to go to a concert. Oh yeah. Um, so we we go out. Uh, we saw Duncan Trussell headlined, and there were a lot of great openers. I wish I remembered their name because they're they're local Asheville comedians. Um, I love stand-up comedy. We were just listening to Mitch Hedberg in the in the car ride the other day. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not a. I don't know many comedians, but I'll put I'll put comedy on any any day. And I think everybody should go watch some live comedy. I don't think you're uh, you're not really into sports much, are you? Nope. Okay, so this is good. But as someone who's not in sport into sports, who is the best basketball player of all time? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say LeBron James because he's very famous and I know his name and (laughs) I think that sports progress, like people are, you know, I bet he would beat Michael Jordan in a one-on-one if they were both in their like prime age, just because I feel like the competitions in sports just keeps getting like more and more difficult. But I have no clue. I think that's a good point. I think Michael, I think 
he might beat Michael Jordan like the first time, but Michael Jordan is so, I don't want to say mean, but so driven. I feel like Michael Jordan would then come back and just do whatever it took to, to win. Like yeah, and I guess you're comparing their personalities. And so if Michael Jordan were born when LeBron James was, he'd be, he, who knows what level he'd be competing oh, yeah, at. It yeah. might be, it might be higher. Yeah, sure. um, but if you just say the physical moments, I think you, you know, if you're not, if you're not given a, a handicap for like being in a previous era, yeah. then the modern era winner would be the winner, right? Mm. I don't know. Well, the correct answer is Wilt Chamberlain. So, you know, that. that I thought way. he was a, uh, a politician. That goes way back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you, do you have a, uh, not secret, but do you have a, a solution to one of the world's problems that if you, if people would just put you in charge of it, you could solve it? I feel like this comes off as dismissive of people's problems, but I do think that if, all of a sudden, everyone, and I don't do this, I'm not the healthiest person in the world, but if I could wake up every day and like exercise for an hour and then eat healthily throughout the day, and well, let me let me even scratch that because I think that would help a lot. But honestly, I'm I'm totally addicted to and find a lot of pain in social media. And trying to grow my career on social media. And I think that social media should be illegal. <laughs> An ad-based, ad advertisement-based social media should be illegal until people are 18 years old. I think that if there's oh. a paid subscription model that they're not trying to hook you into it for as long as possible, like a video game does. Yeah. Then you could have a social media that worked for kids, but I'm really nervous about kids and social media because I know how mess how much it messes up my head. Yeah. I'm a grown man who's been through <laughs> the the worst parts of puberty and social pressure. So I think that's what I would do. Advertisement based social media is illegal until you're 18, and I would love to see it all disappear. But that's a good that's a good idea. I like it. You kind of had that like you were waiting for somebody to ask you. you well, think I think about, about this stuff a lot. I think about it a lot. And I have I have some ideas that I, you know, and that's not, you know, obviously if I could do anything, I would end world hunger and world peace. And, right. You know, that, but that's a, I think that's a realistic. Yeah, that could, that could too, be done. It's not too crazy of an idea. I think we made cigarettes illegal for kids. Because it's so easy to prey on kids and get them hooked on it. Yeah. And I think there are consequences of social media. I'm not I'm not a big government guy. I like limited limited action. And I think I think this one is important enough where we're gonna look back and be like, oh man, we messed up a bunch of people. Yeah. And they're not because I feel it affecting me. And if it's if it's yeah. getting to me, someone who's not naturally drawn to technology and is not in my like prime socializing time like it's it's got to be messing people up it's it's the lead paint of our time it's like we'll it, say I, why do we do that we didn't why do we put lead in paint there it didn't really help that much big deal i i think it's a big deal yeah. and i i think that people some people are catching on but i think some people are resistant you know i used to be a really anti capitalist and i still am in a lot of ways like i don't like technology i don't enjoy it that much mm. but i think this one is like 
a real danger in a different way. Even video games are like better and more addicting than Pong used to be. But the advertising based social media, like they're preying on your insecurities. They're preying on your jealousy and your envy. It's because that's what, that's what brings me on. If I, if, if I have something that I'm nervous about, that's when I'm going to Instagram all the time to see what do they say yeah. about this, you know? And to be a middle schooler or a high schooler, like it, I could not imagine it. I couldn't imagine what it would do. And I think it, I think there's eventually studies are going to come out and they're going to be like, wow, we have, we, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. 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 I wonder if, um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know for sure that this happens, but I'm also very sure that this happens that like a child psychologist, uh, all over the country are telling people, you know, part of my prescription is that you stay off social media for six months or the, something like that. The the reason why, and I, I, I have thought about this a lot, but the mm. reason why you can't, a parent or a therapist or a psychologist or even the principal of a school can't say no one's allowed to use social media is because it is so widely used. If you have a 16-year-old who whose whole friend group and social life is on the internet, yeah. you are outcasting them that will have other consequences if they're the only one that can't do it. And this right. is why I, I, and I, I resist calling for like government action until there need, we need to even the playing field and just say, you know what? Nobody can be on this. And it's not even nobody can be on it. It's the companies can't use this this model on right. on kids because yeah every I'm sure every therapist in the world would be like you should get off social media at least a little bit more but the fact that everyone is on it and we all are part of the game we're all playing the game together we need a referee to set some rules across the board so that you're not left out right, right. and dealing with the, those consequences that's a good answer. Do you have a challenge that you would like to issue to uh, any other band that you know? Oh man, this is great! I do have an answer for this too. All right, because so we, we 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 were talking about this a lot the other day. I'm going to put his business out there. I hope he doesn't mind. But our guitar player Chris the other day at uh, we had a, a long weekend, and he went to uh, Dunkin' Donuts and ate five donuts and a sausage biscuit in one setting. Okay. And then later that night, we got free ribs at the show that we played. So we all had barbecue ribs. And I think my powers and his powers combined, I think we truly could beat any four-piece band in an eating competition. Quantity of food oh in like half an hour, I think we would hands down win. Oh, man, I'm going to push. I'm pretty confident about that. If you guys would, I'm going to push this so hard. Oh, man. Four people. Four, four people. Four we'll, people. We'll put it. We'll do it. We'll do a live stream for the podcast. Or something. All right. Yeah, We're totally awesome. serious about it. Okay. We, we talk about it often. Yes, I am. I am definitely down for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. I have to get. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna have to get two extra microphones because I'm recording everybody eating. Uh, let's you see. gotta this get the good. sounds. The the chewing. Yeah. yeah. I've got six inputs here. Let's see. I got two inputs. Yeah. Okay. I can do that. I got it. I got. It. I can make it happen. All right. I I we we I really think we we could hold our own. It's just got to be four people. That's the only thing. Four if it's people. A, you know, a nine-piece, a nine-piece funk band. We can't, we can't right. take down all Empire Strikes Brass. Yeah, yeah. There. Right. But right. we need, we need a four-person band. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Besides WNC Original Music, uh, what is your? Do you have any uh, music podcasts that you listen to? 
I've been listening to Cocaine and Rhinestones. Oh, I yeah. Give a big shout out to that. I mean, it's That's insane how much information this this guy puts into it. And, yeah. you know, I'm a... I'm a country music fan that's not a diehard country music fan. I didn't grow up on country music. And the, the amount that I've learned about the history, the workings of the business, the way the music came about, the musicians, like, it is, it's, sometimes it's too dense for me and I can't handle it. I need, like, some fart jokes or something. But <laughs> if I'm, if I, like, I think that podcast is is world class. And uh, anybody who's got it, the mildest interest in country music should check it out. Right. Um, I also like, Oh, Quest Love Supreme is, is a lot of fun mm. and Song Exploder. I listened to Corey and the Wong notes a little bit. I think that's a fun one. Um, oh, it's uh, the Working Songwriter is, is a classic. Oh, yeah. Of yeah that's a good one. I don't know if you know that one. But yeah, is that yeah, the one but, with uh, is that with Joe Pug? Joe Pug. Joe yeah. Pug, yeah. And he, he does a great job. And I, I love the, the artists that he interviews. Sometimes they're really famous, but sometimes they're they're not you know bruce springsteen status and getting right. to hear the way that they talk about the music industry talk about their processes uh i don't think there's a lot of interviews and a lot going on in the podcast world that's hitting that like mark at least that i found yeah that, like yeah. that market yeah he does like the uh like the um music row songwriter that's like writing yeah 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 and it's i mean i'm a songwriter like i love songwriting i could talk about it all day and i they're really straight to the chase yeah. about about your the the songwriting process and the insights into that um are yeah that's a really cool one yeah have you ever seen um this is a youtube channel i don't think it's a podcast but rick beato uh he has yeah, he does a lot of stuff, but one thing I really love is uh, what makes this song great. And he's gotten like the master, master tapes of all these songs, yeah. and he's just going through and like, hey, listen to this, uh, this isolated guitar from Boston, and you're like, oh, where'd you, where'd you get that, you know? And he's just got all this cool stuff. Just uh, besides what he's saying about it, which is cool, because a lot of times he's just like playing it, and say, listen to how cool this is, listen to how cool this is, listen. To how cool. He's got some good insights, but sometimes it's just him playing those isolated tracks and you're like, Oh, that is, I didn't even know that had the triangle on it, you know, but it makes the song now every time I hear it. Yeah. I know people that hate on, hate on podcasts and, you know, but like, just who, who does that? Well, so I, 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 okay. There, it, it is a thing. Oh uh, yeah. It is a thing. Oh yeah. But I'm, I'm a fan myself. And I think you go try to find like an, an interview with, with somebody like John Lennon, who, you know, they had plenty of recording technology back then, but like how many three hour long yeah. sit down interviews do you have with him where he really opens up? I mean, you get right. late Mike, night talk shows. Yeah. Mike and, Douglas, Mike Douglas show, you know? Yeah. Like. So you get, and you get a little BBC interview here and there, but it's not, what we have is just a wealth of information. You're listening to Questlove mm. talk to Tank from taking the bangers. And it's just like, it's so you you just never got this insight in another era. Yeah. But you like what makes this song great. Have you seen? Because I think your sense of humor you would you would love this dude. Mm. Uh, what makes this song stink? No, no. Let me write that down. You gotta watch this. This is this dude from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh -huh. and he goes all out and just rips apart Kid Rock, and he rips apart like some late Weezer music, and he it is. 
high I highly highly recommend it. He 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 makes fun of Rick Beato a lot. Like you can buy his hot sauce by type, typing in Rick Beato on his thing. He's clearly <laughs> like par- do he does a parody on Rick Beato's thing. Right. Yeah. Um, of bad songs and it's it's the funniest thing in the world. Oh, man. You got to you got to watch it. I'll check that out. I've listened to a couple of uh there's one called um why your favorite band sucks and they just I don't think I've seen that one they just pick out a band and I don't know if they really don't like I think I think they say that we actually like these bands but we just like to you know bring yeah. them down a notch but I, you know just being jerks but it's, it's pretty funny sometimes even when yeah, they talk about the, one, the Beatles watch the one where, where he does where he breaks down this Weezer song I mean 90% of it's not even about the song it's just him doing comedy right it's yeah I'm gonna check it out I gotta know What's the name of your EP, and where should they find it? The EP is called Walking Off the Plank. It's streaming everywhere, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, wherever. You can buy it on Bandcamp. You can buy it on our website, hustlesouls.com. We've got a store on there. Uh, we'll ship you one in the mail, and we, we always have copies at shows. One more time, I want to thank Billy Litz for being on the podcast. As you just heard him say, find their music at hustlesouls.com or any of the streaming services. I've already told you twice to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So if you haven't done it by now, you have to subscribe twice at two different places just to make up for it. WNC Original Music, wherever you get your podcasts. For the closing song this week, we have the band Litz. And if you are thinking, wait a minute, wasn't Billy Litz on this episode? You are correct and observant. I congratulate you for it. Litz is indeed made up of some of Billy Litz's brothers and also a couple other guys. You can read all about them in the show notes. And you can find their music at litzmusic.com. That's L-I-T-Z music. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spell music. M-U-S-I-C. So L-I-T-Z-M-U-S-I-C. I just enjoy spelling stuff. I don't know. Thanks again to Billy Litz of Hustle Souls for being on the podcast. Here is the band Litz. And have a good week.
snarky or really deep, I don't know.